The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Riverfront. This is episode number 499 of the world's most dangerous podcast, where you guessed it, we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally Taylor Swift. I don't know who made these notes. I'm your host, Nate Dotson. With me this week is the podfather himself, Bill Lack. Bill, how are you, my guy? I'm doing great, man. I am so excited for Saturday. It's going to be so much fun, and it's scary what could happen on Saturday. It could get dangerous. I'm worried that I've already put out the, the, the flyers to everybody. Hey, we're getting in there on Friday. We got to take it easy. We got to relax. Saturday's the big day. And, 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 we to, and we are taking up a collection for bail money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have a link in the show notes for that. Um, for a, Venmo that for, a Venmo account for bail money. That's right. For anybody that doesn't know, Bill's talking about the episode 500 live show over at the stretch down at the banks saturday 9 9 at 4 p.m we're going to be down there hanging out you uh the usual cast of characters chad myself bill uh tim daniel from late night reds is going to be there we're going to have joe and greg from uh the riverfront bangle show we're going to have ben brown who helps tim at late night reds we're going to have just a fantastic lineup for everybody carlos guevara is going to make appearance we might we might be able to convince chris garber to get on there we'll see we'll see time will tell and there'll probably be a beer or two drank during the course of the there event. will be somewhere between two and 22 beers consumed so <laughs> uh, check, check check out the venmo link and the, uh, the name in the show notes um before we get into the nitty-gritty bill uh if you're watching this on youtube please go ahead and hit that subscribe button um that's that's super important to getting the word out there and getting people to follow and uh yeah you know people want to look at us they want to hear us so why not help them do that now we are also everywhere you can find your podcast apple podcast spotify google amazon music audible even iHeartRadio, because apparently that's the thing and one last thing if you would like to go a little bit further this show would not be possible without the support of our patreon family i'll go a little bit deeper help keep this ship afloat and maybe get a couple rewards in the process and at the very least, we have a great Slack channel where we're in there all day long talking about Reds, Bengals, movies, basketball, college football, books, video games, people posting their immaculate grids. I don't know. It's wild in there. And just for a couple bucks, you come join that family, too. Our Patreon people are amazing. They're amazing people. And what, what, what a great group. It's so much fun. We uh, It goes off the rails just like this podcast usually does. So um, you'll be in familiar territory if you've been watching this at all. Bill, before we get into the week that was and the news of the week, 
we had a viewer mail question that you recommend uh, recommended that we address right off the bat. I think this is a good call. So, as always, these questions um, come from our friends over at patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. And this one is from Joe Farsing, host of the Riverfront Bengal Show. He said, can you guys be more mature than the clowns who were on that vile Bengal show last night? Phil, what's he talking about? The answer is probably not. <laughs> For those of you who had not, did, did, did not watch the uh, the live Bengals podcast last night, uh, it got a little silly. <laughs> that, that's a that's a nice way of putting it. It got a little that's silly. The nicest possible way to put it. <laughs> we did a uh, season preview show led by Joe, Bill, and myself, and Tim Daniel were on there getting geared up for NFL Week One, and I mean. 25, 30% tops? Did we talk about football? Um, it, it kind of wove in and out of the conversation, you know. That's it. Drinks so were we did, consumed. We did, we did all make our Bengals predictions for the year. Fun and laughs were had. Highly recommend going back and checking that out. We had a real good Absolutely. Um, is, can Joe you, can does you, a great job. Joe and, Joe and Greg do a great job with that. With that those guys know so much. We're lucky to have them. Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. Um, do, you, uh, do you feel a buzz? up there in the Southern Ohio area? About about NFL NFL? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've been a Bengals fan since 68. I saw my first game in Nippert in 68. Uh, I went through the Greg Cook years, the Virgil Carter years, the Kenny Anderson years. Uh, I have never felt the expect. – I've never felt the expectation for success that I have felt for the Bengals that I feel this year. The only thing I can compare it to are the big red machine years. Mm-hmm. That that's where that's how high the expectations are. Well, I think I speak for all Bengals fans when uh, we'll take similar success to the Big Red Machine. Yeah, it'd be all right. You can handle that. But um, <laughs> if you want more Bengals uh, content? Go check out the Riverfront Bengals show um, or join us Saturday at the stretch where uh, we're going to be talking some Bengals on top of some Reds. So there was some baseball played since we last showed up here on Monday. Um, the Reds are seventy three and sixty nine. I mean, doesn't sound too crazy, but as Reds fans, we're going to take it. They are currently five and a half games back in the NL Central and only a half game back of the wild card. Right, right, right in the thick of things. How are you feeling about their chances for a playoff run, Bill? Uh, I don't know. I, it, they've just come off of a road trip, but I don't remember a team ever going through as much stuff mm-hmm. as they went through on this road trip between injuries covid all of this stuff and yet they came back with a 500 road trip uh, where they went to the west coast where playoff hopes for cincinnati go to die um we're three weeks left in the season and we still got a shot and if you'd have told me that in april i'd have had you examined (laughs) (laughs) so i mean i i I am very very happy for this team i I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the way i I mean, if they get Hunt, they get Hunter Green back this weekend, Williamson back, Ben Lively, and, and the fact that before the season, if you were talking about looking in the last three weeks of the season and counting on Williamson and Lively improving your team, you wouldn't have thought you'd been playing for playoff spots, that's for sure. So I I, I'm really excited about what's going to happen in the last three weeks. I don't know what's going to happen. I couldn't even want to predict because I, if you'd have told me that we'd had the – we went through, what, 17 pitchers in a weekend, something like that. <laughs> Uh, and we're still in the hunt, you can't complain. Yeah, it's madness. If you would have told me that uh, we'd be relying on Ben Lively down the stretch for a playoff chase, I would have wondered why you were making up people's names. 
but uh, he's been super valuable. And I think if they can uh, make it to the playoffs, having a guy like that in a long relief relief role would be huge. But the fact of the matter is, they have only had a better record than this five times at this point in the season, five times since 2000. That's crazy. So you are not. That's heartbreaking. Actually, it's heartbreaking is what it is. It's actually (laughs) heartbreaking. And shout out to Chad for uh, dropping that little tidbit in his article this week. But if you're not having a good time right now, I don't know what to tell you. I'll admit that there was a little stretch, about a month-long stretch, where the the boys were not exactly playing inspired baseball. That's why they call it the dog days. Every team goes through these lulls. They are using scotch tape and Elmer's glue to put together a legitimate Playoff run. Say what you want to about the expanded playoffs. I don't care. I haven't seen playoff success enough in my lifetime to get super upset about the number of wild card teams anymore. This has been so much fun. The guys are playing good ball right now. They're having a lot of fun again. You're seeing that energy and that fire that we saw during the winning streak during the month of June and July. So I just, I'm going nuts. I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe that they are in contention a year after 100 losses, and I can't believe that we get to all get together on Saturday and talk about this in person and it's, just feel it's, the it's energy. People, as people in mind, as my age would say, this team's being held together with a bailing wire and bubble gum. <laughs> uh, that might be and, generous. And, and it's it's just been phenomenal. And you and you got to give credit to David David Bell. I mean, he's been he's got guys. It, it, it's like a damn. Uh, rotisserie between here in Louisville or, or here in Chattanooga in some cases, I'm sure he, he's got guys showing up in his clubhouse. He don't even know their names. Nope. I mean, the Reds have had Guaranteed. a number of pitchers in the last two weeks that I had no, I've never heard of these guys and they come out and they may give you a good inning and you go, thank you very much. You know, next, you know, I wonder, you last night, next man up. I mean, and, and, and that's what it's been. I wonder how many different times, with different players, David Bell's just called called the bullpen and said, "Get up the new guy." <laughs> Had no idea who he was talking about. Was like, Get up number forty three. There's got to be a there's got to be a new one in there somewhere. Out of a hat on the on, <laughs> on the bench. I love it. Uh, anyway, we're having a good time, and the others that we'll talk about it a little bit later. But there's a favorable schedule coming up, and the guys really do have a chance to make a run. And at the very least, it looks like they're going to be playing meaningful baseball for the rest of the regular season. And yep. We, we would have all been crazy to think that going into this year. Um, as far as the baseball that has been played, we did a little podcast after the Cubs series, so we don't need to touch on that other than to say it was great to see Noel V. Marte have a little walk-off. Um, the Mariners came to town. The Mariners were hotter than the surface of the sun coming out of the All-Star break. They went from kind of a soft sell at the deadline. They got rid of some guys, brought a couple other guys on, more of a retool. And then they just decided to not lose games anymore. And Julio Rodriguez showed everybody why he's one of the best players in the game. He's a beast. Well, and they're going through some injury stuff of their own, but they came to Cincinnati and they were really hoping that that was going to be the cure for what ails them. And it wasn't the red legs. The good guys took two out of three, um, including the first two in the series. Game one was a 6-3 win. Started by a little-known little known Reds ace captain hook himself pj Antone, and i don't know if you got a chance to watch that game bill he looked awesome he was nailed. I, I did not see that game but i saw when he relieved the day before i believe it was or two days before before i think yeah. um I, I don't know what this tells us for the long-term success of tj Antone. 
but I'm real happy for him that he got to come back and he's gotten to contribute after working so hard on his rehab after his second Tommy John. Yeah. And, and he just, and he did a, a wonderful interview video thing about coming back and going through the rehab and everything. And he just seems like a wonderful guy and I'm, I'm real happy mm-hmm. for him and for nothing else. Absolutely. It's one of the feel good stories of the season uh, without question. And there are a lot of people that were um, pretty worried about Antone, whether he was a product of the sticky stuff and now that that's banned, how that was going to turn out. And I don't know, but he it, it didn't look like he missed a beat to me. His stuff was incredible. He was commanding four pitches. He was lights out. And it was so much fun. I would love, love, love to have a healthy TJ Antone down the stretch. So send up your prayers. Him 20, sacri- have him in 24. Absolutely. Sacrifice goats. Do whatever you need to do. Yeah. Um, Spencer Steer had the uh, big three-run bomb. I think it was the second inning of that game that ended up um, being the biggest shots. It was it was a woo. The pitcher for the Mariners he hit like four dudes and just could not get, stay out of trouble those first two innings. And the Reds took advantage. The one thing that they had not done for the previous about month and a half was take advantage of mistakes by the other team, and they were able to do that in the first couple of games of this series. And it was so so good to see. And then a great I, I job. Think, I think Steer is one of the underrated stories of this team this year. I mean, we went into the season and one of the projection things, I don't remember which one it was. Fangrass. Yeah. Had him being the best hitter on his team. Yep. And I don't know that he's been the best hitter on this team, but he's been the most consistent player. He's a, he's a, you know, a Swiss army knife. He'll play anywhere and he doesn't, he's happy to play anywhere. And I, and we, I don't think he gets talked about enough. I really don't. I couldn't agree more. I mean, of the players that have played over a hundred games, he is the best Better on the team. Yeah. Um, he's been he's been just incredible. And there's a viewer mail question about him, so we can get into it a little bit later. But love Spitzer's cheer so much. Um, game two, pretty crazy seven six win. I was talking about this with you guys yesterday. I st- I tuned out. The boys I were down think- five two after five. It was not looking good. Connor Phillips, we, he was solid. He he gave up some runs, but I think there's a lot to like about his turn in the rotation. Go ahead. He made two bad pitches. The yep. two home runs he gave up were really the only bad pitches he made. Um, he, he, you know, before the three-run homer, he gave up a couple little dink hits that real easily could have been outs. Uh, I liked what I saw out of him. I, I think he, I think he's going to be in contention for the rotation next year. I really do. I, I think he's got that kind of ability, and he seemed to show that you know that he, he doesn't get phased on the mound. I was very impressed. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, those seven strikeouts were great to see. The two home runs he gave up. Julio Rodriguez and Teoscar Hernandez, two guys that have light power power. There is yeah. no shame in a guy who started this year in – did he start in double A or did he start in high A? He started pretty pretty darn far from the majors. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he, did not, he did not think he was going to be here this year, that's for sure. Absolutely. Then to come up and strike out seven guys was a lot, yeah, a lot I, of really I, encouraging things to take away from that start. Yeah, I really, I really, really was impressed with him. So I go to bed early. I, I had – an old man day. I wake up and I see a text from Tim Daniel. Let's <laughs> not make fun of old men now. Let's not make fun of old men. I had a sleepy man day. And uh, I wake up with a text from Tim that just says, what a freaking win. Could not believe it. Great way to start your day, by the way. Not, not often you wake up. And see, the yeah, I did go back. When I when 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 Martini hit, hit the home run, I turned it back on. Yeah, well, the, you, you timed it right because. So I saw, yeah, I saw the late innings, yeah. And the boys were down five two after five, and then 
they start getting a little bit hot in the six when CES, Noelle Marte go back to back. Noelle Marte sneaky getting hot right now. That was Marte's first major league home run, right? Was and it was a shot line drive out in the left field. Just well, I like rush that ball. I like both of them kids. I really, really I do. do. I really, I could not agree more. Um, then, as you mentioned, Nick Martini with a big three-run shot to tie it up in the eighth. It was, I, I don't know what, who was it? It was um, Stephen Offenbecker. Somebody online posted a, uh, or maybe it's Matt Wilkes. It was Matt Wilkes over at Reds Content Plus that based on championship odds percentage, that was the second most important hit of the Reds season. Like it was single-handedly wow. responsible for X for, jump in the Reds championship odds. For a guy that wasn't even in the system, what, three weeks ago? For a guy who nobody's ever heard of other than like, oh yeah, that's that guy with the cool name. And we're and we're gonna talk about him a little bit a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, we absolutely are. So he ties it up and then the bottom of the ninth comes around and Ellie De La Cruz shows everyone in the world why we are so high on this kid. Fastest man in the world. Fastest man in the world. He hits a little chopper that he beats out for an infield single, still second. And then was it CEF hits a chopper that finds the hole in between first and second. He comes around to score. And did you see the video of the camera was behind Will Benson? Because Will Benson's right there at home plate to greet him. Fired up. Ellie slides in at the home plate head first. And Ellie's like, <laughs> heads up, grinning ear to ear. He knew what he had just done. It was so great to see. And he had gotten caught st stealing in the Earlier. first or second inning. Yeah. He got on base and got caught. And I saw a lot of people saying, hey, you need to quit running. The very next inning, they got a leadoff guy on, Marte, I believe, who tried to steal second, got thrown out. They started back-to-back -back innings with runners on leadoff singles. And then got thrown both, out. both guys get out. Uh, I think at one point they had four out of five Reds players had singles, and they had no runs <laughs> to show well, for it. The other thing about this this ninth inning rally is, is CES had that chopper through the infield with on an 0-2 pitch. Yeah. So, I mean, he didn't try to do too much with it. He just tried to get his bat on it and find a hole. You know, the infield was in, and he just found a hole. I mean, that's a sign of a good hitter. A guy does what he needs to do. He did what – that was exactly what I was going to say. What I've been so encouraged by on this this little, little uptick in play lately has been their approach. They were such a patient team, such a uh, – you know, they 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 were they were walking a lot. They were having these long at bats, and they went away from that, and they were losing games. And it seems like it's coming back. We're seeing Ellie didn't. Uh, I don't think he struck out in the entire series, which is crazy to That's think great. of. Um, and we're seeing a lot of these, you know, two strikes, choke up, put the ball in play, quit trying to make up the deficit in one swing, kind of at bats, and it's been awesome. I would love to see a correlation between on base percentage and wins. Yeah. For this team. It just seems like you said, it just seems like games when they when they make them throw pitches and when they get on base, they're more successful. Now I, I know mm -hmm. that's duh. I, you know, it's one of those <laughs> duh things. But it seems like for this team, it seems to be really important. Yeah. I bet there's a correlation between the amount of times they walk in the game and their whip percentage. Yeah. This team specifically. I'd love to see that. You know, three plus walks or something like that. So if anybody out there is better at the internet than Bill and I, then I'm old. Please. Help I us out. Got, I got my abacus here in the drawer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can track bases on balls on it. Well, one at a time. Uh, game, that's right. Game three, the Magic ran out a little bit. They got behind early and just could not catch up. Uh, 
Lay on Richardson gave up seven earned in 4.2. Um, I saw Jeff Carr, or I'm sorry, Stephen Offenbaker over at Locked On Red speculating that maybe David Bell left Richardson in a little longer than he otherwise would have, knowing they had a rest day coming up and trying to save the bullpen as much as he could. And despite Will Benson's you know, heroic efforts, the Reds could not you know, make up that early deficit. Yeah, Did you see Will that? Had, Will Benson had three hits that night, didn't he? Didn't he have three hits that night? Three hits, all extra bases, two doubles and a home run. Yeah, he so yeah, it's good to see him starting to to, to come around, come back around. He was struggling there for, for a little while as the team was. Yeah, there a little bit, but he, he always takes walks. That's what I love about that guy. Yep. He's gonna have a long career, and I could not be happier. We, we, we are a pro Will Benson podcast. Yes, we are. Everyone knows. Um, so that's pretty much it for the, the week that was. That an off day today as we're recording this, heading into a series, a three-game set with St. Louis. Do you know what happens on Saturday in that St. Louis series? Uh, Lady A is playing after the game. <laughs> Lady A is playing. How would you know that's what I was going to say? We are going to be there after the live show. Come hang out with us. We're going to be in Section 144, but we'll probably bounce around a little bit because they don't have the uh, end stand vendors anymore so somebody's got to replenish the beers well and, and we have to go wherever the beer stands and there's not much of a line yeah that's exactly <laughs> right so we'll see you in the upper deck um chad had a great article i don't know if you got a chance to read it over at the mothership this week that's cincinnati magazine.com and uh, he was just talking about kind of what we've been talking about the crazy things that this pitching staff is having to endure right now and there was one little tidbit that blew my mind said, at the moment, not a single pitcher from the Reds' opening day rotation is on the active roster. Wow. That is wild. They are literally scratching and clawing to try to stay in this thing. And, I mean, it's not how I would like to draw it up. If I could wave my magic wand, this would not be what's happening right now. Is is there any truth to the rumor that the other night that they were having tryouts behind the stands down there to see if anybody could hit like 85, you know, 85, 88, and, and they were going <laughs> to sign them to like a, a one-week contract? I choose to believe it. It's feelings, no facts around here. We don't fact check anything. I love it. So we're, uh, George we're, we're Foster, just- you, know, George, you know what George Foster always sets up his little booth out there? George was down there working with the pitchers, with the amateur pitchers to see if we could find somebody could help out. Dude, they could just give, give him a jersey, bring him back out. <laughs> Um, Bill, there wasn't much in the way of news this week. Uh, the Reds called up Casey Legamina, then they optioned Casey Legamina. They called up Michael Marriott, and then they optioned Michael Marriott. This uh, revolving door of relievers. Apparently, there was a brief Kevin Hurriott sighting. I didn't actually see that myself, but there's rumors. He's like Bigfoot. You can, you're never quite sure. Well, and then, the thing about the, the relief pitching thing, is and I think it was last year that Chris Chris Welch talked about this on TV. He said that's what the successful teams are able to do now is is replenish their bullpen by this carousel between AAA and the major leagues. And, and I mean, they aren't guys that you really want to see up here pitching, but if they can come up here and give us three good innings and then go back to Louisville, that's that's a big win for this team right now. Yeah, this is the first time I really remember seeing that strategy deployed, and it makes a ton of sense to me. I'd rather have a Michael Marriott 100% rested than an Ian Jabot kind of ever, but definitely on short rest. Sorry, Ian. I'm sure you're a nice guy. but He gets ragged on a lot more than he deserves. He's been more successful than he's than than 
most of us have, and, and I, I defended Derek Law earlier in the season, but I tell you what, I'd rather have Jabot out there than Law at this point. I, they I'll, just I'll trade. They just trade places. It's like <laughs> you get two weeks, you get two weeks. Whoever's going to be the uh, most trustworthy or the least, as the case may be. Yeah. Um, the last point I want to make on all this is that uh, COVID is stupid. Are other are other teams having COVID issues, or is it just the Reds that got decimated? Well, you know what, you know, conspiracy theory time. Let's go. You know, this happened right after they were playing the stupid Cubs. I think the Cubs pulled somebody out of the stands that had COVID and got him in the Reds clubhouse in the pitcher's room and went <coughs> all over our pitchers. And then right after that, we had guys with COVID. I think the it's Cubs, the Cubs' fault. I think it's the Cubs, the Cubs' fault. Have, the Cubs have an inside man coming out of a lab in Wuhan. Right. Havoc on the Reds dugout. It's a Chinese research scientist on loan to the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> Thankfully, there is some speculation that uh, Hunter Green and Brandon Williamson, at least, will be back. Um, some people are saying as early as this weekend, they were saying that Hunter Green is tentatively Sunday. scheduled to start for Sunday. Sunday. We were hoping Saturday. We were really hoping for we're Saturday. Really hoping. I was listening to somebody today saying that there's still a chance that Williamson could get that Saturday start. So, ooh, that'd be great. Really holding out hope for that because some kid I've never heard of is currently starting on Saturday. Well, it's 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 the it's the kid that pitched the other day in Double A or came up from Double A, I think. Uh, the one we were just talking about. Uh, his name just ran right out of my head. Spears. Uh, Spears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, if I see Spears, I'll be rooting for Spears, but I'd rather see Williamson yeah. or Hunter. Yeah, Carson Spears, <laughs> I believe. Pretty incredible story. The guy was in double A five days ago. Now he's yeah. starting uh He was a lookout five days ago. <laughs> no, starting for a uh, a team in the playoff hunt down the stretch in an incredibly meaningful game. So Carson, we love you. We're rooting for you. We'll be the loudest people. We'll be around section one forty four. You will hear us. <laughs> Whether you want to or not. Whether you want to or not. I love it. <laughs> um, my biggest question right here is are we gonna see Joey Votto this weekend, Bill? No. I lie to me. You can lie to me. That's okay. I, 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 I love Joey as much as anybody does, but I think Joey's done for the year. I don't think we're Stop gonna see it. All right, Bill's canceled. If 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 we were gonna see Joey anytime soon, you would have heard of his heard his name in the last week. If you heard him mention Joey Votto on any broadcast, in any article, on anything, I haven't. I read one article that came out today saying that that David Bell said he wouldn't be surprised if Joey comes in any day now. Oh, says that would be the play. From your mouth to God's ear, man. But David Bell's notorious for saying nothing and beating around the bush. So we'll see. I am holding out hope because one of the reasons that you know, Chad was so willing that you as well willing to break this boycott was to see Joey and Ellie on the field at the same time, and I hope I hope it gets to happen. I also hope, that, but that's another conversation that we'll certainly be getting into in the off season. I, I, um, I also think spotlight even if, on a few players. Even if Joey's activated this weekend, I think he's uh, I think he's DH, and I don't think he's going to be off there. Going to be playing the field. They they want to protect that shoulder as much as they could. Yeah, I would I would have to assume that you're right, but I if they're out there to listen to the national anthem, I'll take it. Um, a couple of players that I want to highlight really quick. Um, my guy, the guy that I never gave up hope on, and that most of you Reds fans did. I've got receipts. I don't actually have receipts because you know, I have time in my life and I care about my happiness. Tyler Stevenson has been murdering the ball. Over the last 28 days, my guy has a 
346 batting average, 382 on base, and a 615 slugging. That's good for 997 OPS. That's Babe Ruth numbers. Babe Ruth numbers. He's handsome as all get out. He's got up to a 93 OPS plus, which obviously is not great, especially with the expectations we have for Tyler. But compared to where he was just a couple weeks ago, um, the fact that he could get that above 100 before the end of the season, if he's hot for this stretch run, then this this is just a different team. Him and the next guy I want to talk about, Will Benson, down at the bottom of the order, which I could argue Will Benson should not be at the bottom of the order. I know some people like the, the second leadoff man thing. I am not one of those people. But that is some serious punch from the lower third of your lineup, and I his defense is, is, is pretty bad. I get that. But you can live with it when he is mashing at a 350 clip and a 990 OPS. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you could have a one-legged guy back there if he was hitting with a 990 OPS. Uh, I, I hope he continues the rest of the year like this. Uh, I'm not sure it makes the organization be comfortable with their catching situation in the offseason, even if he plays finishes the year well. Uh, and there isn't a whole lot of catching depth in this organization, but uh, – we don't really want to talk too much about the offseason and, and next year yet, but if we can get Tyler Stevenson heated up for the last three weeks of the year, it sure to help improves the chances of us making that last playoff spot. Or maybe yeah, even catching that, the Cubs. Absolutely. You know, we'd love to see that. Um, we talked about it a little bit already, but uh, our guy Will Benson, 126 OPS plus in the season. That's a 853 OPS. That 366 on base percentage is what I really, really like. I think there's a lot more power. And he's even shown, and he has shown some. But once he gets a little more comfortable, because this is his first full season of big league at bats, it's not even been a full season. I think that this guy has a chance to be around a really long time. Personally, I would love to see him face more lefties just to see that's what, what he's got. Just, that's what I was just going to ask you. How much do you yeah. think those numbers are protected by him not having to face play against left handers? They they very much are. I don't think there's any argument against that. But I want to know what we have in this guy. Maybe. The stretch run isn't the time to figure that out. But I'm not any more confident in the Nick Sanzels and the Kevin Newmans of the world, Stuart Fairchilds, whoever they got running out there all the time. I mean, give me the guy that's going to get base, get on base nearly 40, 40% of the time. Well, and like, and, like, and like we've said for years, and you and your brother, you know, you and your brother and I have also don't make outs. If you don't make an out, that's a successful at bat. I mean, that yeah. you only get 27 of them and you they, they should be gold to you. And, and that's it. If, if Benson can can get on base against left-handers, even if he doesn't hit quite as well, excuse me, that's successful. Yeah, for uh, sure. So, but you're right. I mean, what a what a what a steal he was for for this organization. Yeah. Fleeced the Guardians. At this point, it doesn't rank with the Brandon Phillips steal, but who knows in the next four or five years? Keep an eye on that. Put a button on that. I yeah, uh, that that that's for me. That's the Biggest Nick Crawl. Well, shoot, no, the Tyler Valley thing for Spencer Steering CES is pretty yeah. impressive. We like Nick Crawl sometimes. We're allowed to say that we like him sometimes. As it's long as he doesn't time. talk. It doesn't talk. If he two things. One, don't talk. Two, make some moves this offseason. That's what I need from you, Nick. He didn't do it at the deadline, but we've beat that horse to death. Yeah. Um and one more time, just to just to give him his flowers, his well-deserved flowers, Nick Martini, whoever that is, 
Um, he's my favorite player in the history of the Cincinnati Reds franchise. All he does is take daddy hacks and hit three run bombs. The guy's got a 123 OPS plus on the year. He's got four home runs for the Reds. I think he had two in his entire major league career. Three. I looked season. it up today. He had three major league home runs before this year, and he's got four for the Reds. I think he likes. I think. He, I think he likes. He's got Morgan Will Myers. I think he does too, and who, I don't know if we'll ever see him again. But the home run, yeah. who most of us predicted right? to be the Reds' leader in home runs this year, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, we might never see Nick Martini again after the 2023 season, but I will remember this era fondly. The Nick Martini right. era. What a time to be alive! Um, looking ahead, real quick, uh, we talked about the Reds having a bit of a soft September. They've got three against St. Louis, three against Detroit. Three against the Mets, who sold almost every good player they had. Three against Minnesota. Now, Minnesota's been playing a good brand of ball since the deadline. Um, three against Pittsburgh. And then two against Cleveland, which you don't love to see, considering they took all the pitchers that the Reds wanted on the and, waiver and, wire. And the, Reds, and the Reds have struggled against the Guardians. Indians. They have, but Indians. the Ohio Cup is very much still in play. So, and, and, and we can't make the playoffs. We want to win the Ohio Cup. I say, poor K, no lows, dos. Give us both, baby. And then three more against St. Louis. So only two series against teams with a winning record, or one against a team with a winning record, I think. And then a uh, frisky Cleveland team. How you feeling about this? You like the schedule. I mean, you just hope the team doesn't let up at all, uh, you know, when they're playing against teams that, that theoretically they should beat. But – you know, they came like like we were just talking earlier. They came through this West Coast road trip where about every bad thing in the world, and we didn't even talk about them sitting on the tarmac for five yeah. hours or what it was in Arizona before they went to San Francisco. About every weird thing that could happen to a team has happened to this team in the last two to three weeks. If they if they continue to play with the with the intensity that they've played in the last couple of weeks and they, against these teams that don't have the kind of record that we have and haven't had the kind of season we've had. We, we like I'm down there playing, but that the Reds have had, they should come out of this schedule pretty well. I mean, you, it's, it's as favorable as you can ask for. It really is. Now we all have PTSD from 2021. So we know that uh, having a soft schedule doesn't mean anything, but I don't see the Cardinals catching up this year, thankfully. And one thing that keep I keep coming back to is this team has so many young guys that they don't have the stank of years past. They don't have any history that they care about. They're just young and full of, you know, energy and enthusiasm. And I don't, I don't worry about, you know, previous teams' demons coming back to haunt this team as much as I would any of the past few years. The, the and, and the the flip side of that for the young guys though is, is it seems, and at least we're hoping that they've played through that wall that they seem to hit. I mean, they're all in uncharted territory now. They're playing more games most of these guys and they've ever played in their careers at any level. And, you know, I can understand why it becomes a grind here, but if you can't get excited and pumped up and ready to play every day when you're playing for a playoff spot in your rookie year, I don't know when you're ever going to be excited about playing baseball. That's right. You know, look, go ahead, go take a look at the, at the Marlins schedule coming up. They have a ridiculously difficult schedule and they just lost Sandy Alcantara for the rest of the year, probably. So they, uh, I mean, the Reds have a shot. That's all we can ask for. Billy, you want to get us some viewer mail questions? Okay. I mean, that seems like the natural next step. But sure. before we do that, I want to shout out to the sponsor of today's episode, who I apologize to not shouting out sooner, our friends over at SeatGeek. 
the geeks of the seats. It's not true. They're actually really cool people. I actually don't know. I've never met them. But they do have the best ticket buying platform out there for baseball games, basketball, softball, Everything. Little League World Concerts. Series, concerts. concerts. We have we one of our other posts got uh kiss tickets. That's right. And, you know, you, and save him some buckaroonies. You can do two Thanks for one and go to Saturday's game and watch Lady A. There you go. But it's it's you're, you're smart people. We don't need to tell you how SeatGeek works. You get on there and find the best ticket for the best price. And if you use the code word Riverfront, you get $20 off your first purchase. If you don't do that, we can't even be friends. I don't know what we're doing here. It's free. Well, you, you're, if, you're, if you're not trying to save free money, we don't want you. No. You're going <laughs> to re- return your COVID stimulus check. You don't get the code. All right, so viewer mail questions, as always, come from our friends over at patreon.com slash Riverfront. Cincy, where you too can join the family. First question, Bill, comes from Michael Petrie. Michael says, which performances this year have made you reconsider a player's future with the Reds? Which one do you think were flukes and refused to move your already correct impression? This is a really good question. It is. Um, do, you have, do you have anybody right off the top of your head? Well, I'm not even going to – we've talked enough about Will Benson. I think Will Benson is somebody with you. The guy for me that, that jumps out at me on the up direction is, is, is Brandon Williamson. Uh, I, I think he has proved himself. He's, he's really improved as the season went along. I, I think he could be a great three or four. Uh, I mean, maybe a five, but I think he's better than a five. Uh, the other guy that, that I've liked and, and – I was still iffy on him coming into the season is Buck Farmer. He's kind of won himself over for me. Ooh. In the other direction, the guy that I've soured on is Lucas Sims. Uh, I'm amazed that his his uh, ERA plus is 130. I, it, that just amazes me. It, it, his walk per nine just kills me. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it seemed to take a jump after he got hurt, after he sat out most of last year with the back problem. Um, before that is, 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 it was pretty good. Um, I think he's got great stuff. If he can get, if he could, you know, cut down on the walks, I think he'd be effective, but I really struggle when he comes in the ball game. I really take a deep breath and hold it, hold it until, while he's in there. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a tale of two halves for Lucas Sims. He was lights out the first half. And then he it just seems like every time he's been in the game since the all-star break, it's been trouble after trouble after trouble. So I, I have to agree with you there. Um, 100% agree with you about Brandon Williamson. I thought bringing him up when they did was a disaster and it was going to end horribly. And he's been rock solid just about every five days. And I think his ceiling, at least in my mind, is definitely a lot higher than I thought going into this season. Um, I will say that the one hill I'm still willing to die on is that Tyler Stevenson is a well above average major league hitter. I think he is not as hot, not as good as he is right now but he's not as bad as he was for the first three quarters of the season. I think there's some lingering issues with that shoulder. Um, I really hope I'm right. I, I also still kept all of my real estate on Graham Ashcraft Island. Um, he that's, your, prob- that's your boy. That's your boy. I mean, he's probably the greatest pitcher in the history of baseball. I'm just saying. Do, do, you, do you agree with the people that think he's destined for the bullpen at some point? I could not disagree more. I, I'm willing to admit that um, that's his floor. But, I mean, the guy has had two-thirds of a season where he has been Nails. a really, really good pitcher. And last year, he was a solid, solid pitcher as a rookie. I just don't see why you would even consider moving him to the bullpen unless he has a prolonged stretch 
like he did in the middle of this season right. where he just loses. I, it. I tend to agree with you. I see no reason to think that you you want to move into the bullpen unless other guys that we're hearing about in the organization come up and are lights out. Oh yeah. And and then you can, you know, and at some point he gravitates down to the end of the sixth or seventh best pitcher on the staff. Oh, gosh. I, I don't see that, and I don't see that happen. If it does, then we're going to be a happy fan base. Well, that, that, that's like, you know, the Jim Palmer story about, about Abbott when they, when he pitched in Baltimore and, and Jim Palmer said, if he's, if he's a number four, you're going to win a, a bunch of world series. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and if Jim Palmer says it, I'm willing to listen. You probably should recommend that. Um, another guy that I was not super high on coming into this year, but am now is Jake Fraley. I think that guy just has a spot on a major league baseball team, whether it's an everyday guy or probably not just a platoon. I love having the guy, the fact he's out there battling with a broken toe. You see him hobbling around the bases a couple days ago. Even how many players are going to be out there on a broken freaking toe? I stubbed my toe and I'm out for a week. He's a warrior and I love having him on the team. I think two things about him. One is I think he probably was pissed when he kicked something and that's how he broke his toe. (laughs) You know, he probably, he probably took a call third strike and went to dugout and kicked something and went, Oh shit. Um, like, the, other I owe thing it to the, guys. the other thing I think is if you if you pick your spots with him, you know, left pitching against right-handed, he rakes. I mean, he he hits balls and he hits them hard. Uh, I think he's a value to your team. He, he seems like he's popular. Mm-hmm. He, he just seems to to contribute every time he's in a ball game. Yeah, I, I'm like you. I, I he's I I really really like him. I like what he brings to the team. Yeah, hundred percent. The only other guy I want to mention, and this is kind of on the uh, the, with the arrow trending down a little bit, is TJ Friedel. I want to qualify this with I really, really like TJ Friedel. I really wish he would have made the All-Star game. Yep. I don't think he is going to get another chance. Um, he's just been kind of bad for the second half of this season now. And I think he's useful. I think he plays a great center field but I'm not sure that he is an everyday kind of guy. I go back and forth. I think that you can do a lot worse, but that's I think that's a position I'm with you. I, I, I think we've seen the best of, of, of what you're going to see out of him. Uh, I think he's a 100% effort guy every time he steps on the field. Uh, he plays hard. Uh, I think Major League Baseball made an adjustment to him, and I don't know whether he has the skill level to make a second adjustment to, to bring his numbers back up to where they were. Uh, yeah, seems like a great guy, though. I mean, and, and, and again, he's, he's he's a value to this team. I mean, every you know, hundred percent. Yeah, nothing would make me happier than for him to prove me wrong either. I would love just a, sli- just a little bit more progress out of him. All right, moving on. Rick Scott was up next. He said, "I heard the Malcolm in the Middle song in my head when I read your invitation for viewer mail." Sorry that I missed the gathering this weekend, but I'll be in Bisbee, Arizona, attending their annual Blues Festival. First of all, that sounds rad. Uh, could Bill share a few of his favorite memories of the 75 and 76 teams? I was in middle school then, and it was those teams that made me a lifelong Reds fan. So, the floor is yours, Bill. Well, I have to first, I have to say the 76 team, I think, was a better team. But I spent the latter part of the season, the playoffs in the World Series, I was in boot camp. So I didn't see the, the from the middle of August through the rest of the season. In fact, 
during the playoffs in the World Series, my company commander in boot camp wouldn't tell me the scores of the playoff games in the World Series till the end of the day. We'd come in, we'd start the morning, he'd come in, and I'd ask him who won. He said, I'll tell you later. And he wouldn't tell me till the end of the day. That's cruel and unusual. But I but I won a lot of money because there were guys in my company, in my boot camp company from Philly and from New York. And I took all of their money. <laughs> uh, the, but the 75 series, the 75 team was the was the transitional year. That was the year that Pete, you know, Pete went to Sparky about playing third base, and all of a sudden you got George Foster in the lineup, and the team changed. Came, everything changed. Um, the The World Series in '75, I was in high. I was a senior in high school, and um, the sixth game, I was with a group of high school students that we were counseling at a, at a camp for underprivileged kids called Camp Joy here in, Ohio, in Cincinnati area. And the sixth game is rolling around. It's a night game. I don't remember what night of the week it was. It didn't really matter. But the people running the camp made no provisions for the counselors to see the game. So we got all the kids in bed and asleep, and we snuck all the count, all of us counselors snuck out to an empty cabin with a radio. And we listened to the sixth game of the World Series, probably the greatest World Series games ever, on this little transistor radio. And and the game seemed to last. I don't know how long that game lasted, and probably it wasn't. It probably isn't as long as an average game is now, sure. because you know games went a lot faster then. But it seemed like it lasted for like six hours. And of course, you know Fisk hit that home run, and Boston thought they won this. Boston people from Boston to this day think they won the series. <laughs> Uh, if you talk to anyone from Boston, the only, the, last, the only thing they remember is the Fisk home run. They don't mm-hmm. remember Game Seven. They 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 blocked that from their memory. <laughs> but anyway, it's Game Seven. The people running the camp set up a TV in the in the mess hall where we get and, and the counselors. We all got up there, watch, got to watch the seventh game. And That's incredible. When when Morgan hit the got the base hit that drove in the winning run, and and then McEnany got the fly ball to Geronimo, I believe it was Geronimo, to clinch it. For those of us, I mean, if you were a baseball fan like I was, in 1970, okay, we were young. We got beat by a better team. The Orioles were a better ball club. 72, that Gene Gene Tennis, I hated that guy. I still hate that guy. (laughs) Bobby Tolan letting that ball get by him in in center field in game seven. You know, they shouldn't have lost to the A's in 72. 73, they get beat in the playoffs by the Mets, by a very good pitching staff. 74, they don't even make the playoffs. So you're 75, and you're starting to wonder whether this team's ever going to win a big game. So when that fly ball settled into Geronimo's glove, it made all those disappointments better. And then the next year, they just rolled. I mean, you know, they, you knew you were going to, you knew in 76 they were going to win the World Series. Mm-hmm. And, and going back now and, and, and watching, I've watched, you know, the 76 series on, on, on replays and stuff. My favorite thing about the whole thing was, was, the whole series was on top of Johnny Bench playing so well in the series was Pete Rose was basically in Mickey Rivers face, daring him to try to drive a, a, a drive, a line drive past him. He said, you want a bunny? He said, I'm a throw you out, but you, you know, put a, put a line drive right here. Just put it right <laughs> here. You know? And, and he just psyched Mickey Rivers out. And, and there's nothing in the world better than beating the Yankees than anything. So, you know, people that root for the Yankees to me, I say that's like going to Vegas and rooting for the house. <laughs> <laughs> So those are those are my quick memories of those two teams. I and it, it, 
you got to watch the best, maybe the best eight players together mm-hmm. that ever played the, the game. And, and I was very privileged and happy to do that. And, and I've said this a million times on here. But 75 and 76, Joe Morgan was the best player I have ever seen play every day. I mean, he could do everything. He could run. He yeah. could hit. He could field. Golden gloves, MVPs, could hit for power. And, and, and he didn't steal bases unless he needed a base, you know, and, and, and that's one of the problems I have with the rules these days where you can only throw over to first base twice. I can remember Morgan drawing seven, eight, nine throws to first base, driving the pitcher insane. And it, I think this new rule takes a lot out of the game because of that. Anyway, I'm rambling. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, moving on. <laughs> I love it. That was fantastic, Bill. Thanks for that. Um, I was thinking we should do in the offseason a uh, mystery science theater-esque, like, live – Watch uh, us get together in a room somehow, even on Zoom or whatever. Watch the seventy-five and seventy-six World Series, and then just comment as the game's going on. I think that oh, that'd be, be so much fun. That'd, that'd be, be a lot of fun. So. so much fun. Stay tuned for that. I might make Chad do it. Uh, the next two questions we're going to read in tandem because they're part of a theme that people keep asking it about, and I, I just don't get it, Bill. Uh, the first one's from Joey Gaditza, our brother from the north. Are you going to have a beer chugging contest at the live hang? My money is on Bill to win. All right. I love it. Okay, what's the uh, second question? Because I got a comment for Joey. So <laughs> The second one's from James Urban. He is the oldest member of the Patreon family. Uh, so we're wow. glad that he remembered how to use the internet. So good job, Joe. Or, uh, thank your grandkids for us. Uh, here, James. James says, what's the over-under on amount of drinks Nate and Chad will consume at the live show? Cheers, lads. Looking forward to tuning into episode 500 and wish I could make it in person to prove that I am, in fact, not an old man. I don't, I don't believe you, James. Um, so apparently people think we're going to have some some drinks to uh There may be a cocktail or two involved. I can't imagine what would make him think that. I, I want to address Joey's question here. Is it, Joey, there are two kinds of people in the world. There are sprinters and there are distance men. I am not a sprinter. I am a distance man. So <laughs> I, I would not win a chugging contest. But if we're going to see how many we can drink over a certain, you know, over the course of an evening – I can hang with most people. So that, you know, just to let you know. I love it. I think if I was a betting man, I might go with a friend of the show, Carlos Guevara. I think we got some, I think we got some ringers. I think the, the, the one seeds in this bracket are going to be strong. (laughs) So we got, we got at least two brackets. We got (laughs) the over under. I don't want to speak for Chad. He's a responsible professional adult. So uh, when did, when did that start? It's a new job. (laughs) Um, the, the overrunner for Chad, we'll set that line at 0.5. Uh, for me, um, during the show, I'm going to get pretty nervous. I've never done a live show like this before, so we'll set it at we'll set it at two and a half. I'd recommend taking the over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Next question is from Corey Ryan. Um, Bill, I don't know if you tuned into the last week's couple episodes but Corey was asking some uh, pretty hilarious questions about who our ninja turtles would be and who the villains would be um using current and former reds but yeah i, I did hear the one about what the, the this the the discussion about uh, uh shredder and chad getting puked on yo absolutely so <laughs> he, he continues the theme this week he says bad news gentlemen last week's team of assembled villains are simply too good and even worse your turtle reds have come unglued yaziel puig and kevin mitchell are fighting each other Billy Hamilton and Adam Dunn are 0 for their last 22 punches, and Joey Votto has decided to just take walks instead of helping anyone. <laughs> That's good. That's classic. But when all hope is lost, you hear a loud cry. I'm like that. 
It's Amir Garrett, the shadowy figure of last week and four of the top Reds and four of the top Reds fastball pitchers of all time. What four Reds, past or present, do you name to pelt evil Bob and his goons with fastballs in order to win the day for your Reds and end this ridiculous trilogy? Corey, the first, first, the first one's easy. It's Rob Dibble. The first one's easy. It's Rob Dibble. Rob Dibble is absolutely in the mix. And just a fantastic question. Fantastic. Um, yeah, who you got? Chapman. Chapman's got to be in there, right? Oh, yeah. He, he put a hole in you. So we got two. Um, Brad the Animal Leslie. Okay. Tell me more. You don't remember. You're too young. Wasn't a good pitcher. Threw hard and had he had the annex of Mark the Bird Fidrich on the mound. He was. They called him the animal for a reason, and also a movie star. He was in Mr. Baseball with Tom Selleck. All right, that's a great pull uh, to round out the foursome. I've got to go with. You know, he might not be the hero we need, but he was the hero we deserved. The man, the myth, the legend, Ricky Carter. He will pull some magic out of his sleeve. He's got to be in the mix. He might miss Evil Bob with every throw, but the one he connects with is going to be <laughs> the deciding. It'll be money. It'll be yeah, money. It's the deciding throw. I love it. So, Corey, fantastic. I don't want this trilogy to end, so keep him going. If you can <laughs> get the creative juices flowing. I want to know how um, long he sits up thinking about these to make these questions up. I mean, these these can't. nobody is that quick to come up with them on a fly, you know? legendary i love it all right our last question comes from rich thompson rich says gentlemen over the course of the next three years will spencer steer a b 2023 nl rookie of the year be an nl all-star representing the reds at least once learn to catch and become the ultimate utility player and will submit his place as the heir apparent to kyle farmer ultimately be traded to free up more playing time for other current reds and prospects how dare you how dare you, Rich? I would say none of the above. I I, I think um, I don't think he's going to win the NL the Rookie of the Year. I, I wish he would. Um, I don't think he's going to make an All Star team because I think he plays too many positions. They're going to move him around. And and as much as I like him, I, I think he's going to end up in the outfield. And I don't know if he's got a big enough bat to be an All Star in the outfield. Um, and I hope they don't trade him because I think he's a valuable player because he can play anywhere. Even if they're, mm-hmm. even if they slotted as an everyday guy in the outfield, that doesn't mean there can't be games where you come in play third or play second. I, I, I really like the guy. I think again, Swiss army knife. Yeah. I think you might be correct, but I'm going to go with he, that he is going to make at least one all-star team. I hope you're right. I, I think that a lot of the uh, analysts are now putting a little more weight on these utility guys. Somebody like Ben Zobrist that can impact the game in so many ways. And all the Reds need to do is win a World Series or make it to a World Series. David Bell gets to fill out the lineup, perhaps. Gets to fill out the roster with a couple of his own. Maybe. Dare to dream. Managers never are are, are preferential to their own players, are they? They're not like that. They take the best players. They're never preferential to the Reds players. I know that. Or, or Friedel would have made the team this year. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, Bill. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Do you have any parting words of wisdom? So, Chad, I don't think Chad and I have ever been under an hour. So, this shows that I am not the problem. It's your brother <laughs> that's the issue. 
the problem is when you reference some things that happened a couple decades ago, he knows about them too, and y'all can talk about them. I just have to keep moving on. <laughs> keep it, keep the ball rolling, and the train on the tracks. Well, Bill, thank you so much for coming on today. The only thing I do want to say before we go on is, uh, screw you, Gene Tennis. Damn right. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Please, if you're in the Cincinnati area, come down to the stretch, 4 p.m. on Saturday. We're going to be down there having a blast because great folks and i could not be more excited to you know put some faces to twitter handles and patreon handles and uh man, i just could not be more excited to watch our boys play especially since these games matter yep we're gonna burn the banks down on saturday so be there <laughs> not the stretch though we appreciate them letting us have our, have our show there the other not, places not 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 physically burned oh we're gonna, well we're gonna have a lot of fun come on down and jo join us down at the stretch at the banks Let's not limit ourselves. You never know. <laughs> so thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks to SeatGeek for hosting. Thank you to our Patreon family. Could not do this without you. Um, I got to put my best chat here. Shouts to Adam Dunn. Shout out to Lee Salverto. Shout out to Eli Cash. And shout out to Taylor Swift. For Bill Eck, this is Nate Dyson. We'll see you next time.